0: Ladies and gentlemen, how I have missed you. Have you missed me? Do not worry. Daddy's home. We've taken a hiatus for a little bit. Not by my own accord. We've had some things that we've had to take care of. But welcome, a long overdue welcome. How are you? How's the wife? How's the kids? Um, Tell them that their uncle misses them. Tell them that their uncle Ty is coming to see them. But what do I want to talk about today? I'm going to talk about something that I feel gets overlooked a lot when it comes to why this team, why the Dolphins managed to go from the bottom of the barrel for the last 10 to 12 years, mediocrity at best, to all of a sudden now we are in the driver's seat of our own destiny. And it's a two-sided coin. Right, because now that we have that expectation after going 10-6 and six, when we were projected to get three wins this season we are our own biggest opponent and here's what I mean by that Miami has to live up to the standards now of everybody else in the National Football League but that's not the case okay what Miami has to do is continue to do what Miami has done and Compared to other sports, compared to the great teams, the great dynasties, right? you look at, there's one particular thing that separates a good team that has somewhat to moderate success for a few seasons back to originally where they started, if not worse. And the main thing there's two main things that really separate a team to make them go from great to legendary in their own accord. And the first one is team culture, right? You look at what Flores has been able to do. You look at all of the great dynasties. You look at what Belichick was able to do. You look at what the Cowboys in the 90s were able to do. Even to go to a different sport, you look at basketball, what the Lakers have done, right, and what a lot of those dynasties have done, it begins and it ends with the culture of the team, with the mindset of the team, right? Take the Miami Heat, for example. Going into the finals last year, nobody thought that we would make it past the first round, right? But that grit and grind culture that everybody bought into Shock the world now. This year is a little bit different, but this isn't a basketball podcast. But if you do want me to talk about basketball, I can definitely do that. Um, however, the culture is what matters the most in building a team, okay? And you see, and really, success starts from the top down. And what I mean by the top down is the front office, okay? You look at let's just take the Detroit Lions, for example. They've had generational talents. Matthew Stafford, Stephen Tulloch, Calvin Johnson, Brandon Pettigrew, right? You look at all of the talent that they've had over the years, okay? And there's one thing to have talent on the field, right? And have everybody do their job the best that they can. And you play to their strengths compared to absolute... Disarray and chaos from the top down, okay, because it all begins and it all begins like it all begins and ends with leadership as well as culture. And you need somebody that can immediately step in and take that leadership role, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, right? Somebody has to step up, and not only that, you need to have a vision, okay. And we have both of those. Flores has established the culture of no we are not the team that has a lot of glitz and a lot of glamour right we're one of the youngest teams in the nfl okay i think we're second or third youngest team in the nfl and yeah a lot of our stars a lot of our budding superstars people like raekwon davis people like brandon jones people like miles gaskin selvan ahmed preston williams nick needham a lot of them were very late round picks or undrafted free agents. So what separates that, right? Talent is one thing, but leadership and culture make up for when work does not, if that makes any kind of sense, okay? Hard work will triumph talent every single time because it's one thing to have a lot of talent absolutely right but if you have no direction for where you want that talent to go then you are just basically a sitting duck in the water you're a team that's stuck in neutral okay because you have all of the parts you think you know where the destination is and there's a lot of detours and there's a lot of trying to get somewhere without a clear cut formula you're flying by the seat of your pants and looking at the detroit lions specifically here in this example all of that generational talent could have amassed several years of success with the likes of matthew stafford and calvin johnson calvin johnson a generational wide receiver saw how terrible that the front office was being run and saw through all the bullshit that he ended his career at the prime of his career and has walked away from football entirely to where he doesn't even watch it, right? You look at the opposite side of the spectrum. So they've been bottom of the barrel for years. You look at the teams that have been top for the last several years, the Steelers, the Patriots, right? What is it that separates a good team from a bad team? It's not just talent. It's culture. And not only is it culture, it's people that buy into the culture. And Flores has made some controversial moves with a lot of his trades, with a lot of his cuts. But guess what? The success speaks for itself. Let the work on the field speak for itself because the culture has been bought into. Okay? And the other thing is team chemistry. Team chemistry is overshadowed a lot. Okay, and it's the exact same debate, right? You can have all of the talent in the world. You could have five star recruits out of high school. you could have as you could have a plethora of first round draft picks, right? But if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a plan, and if you don't have somebody that not only fits a scheme, not only fits the culture, but also gels with everybody else, then you have another problem, okay? Because if it becomes a me mentality. If it becomes a oh well yeah I have put up the best numbers of my career but I don't like any of my teammates. That's a huge problem. Okay and that's when the cancer starts to spread. So Flores has instilled the culture and instilled the chemistry of I don't care who you are. I don't care how you were scouted. I don't care where you come from can you do this job and can you do it effectively? Night in and night out. And we're seeing that. For God's sakes, Raquan Davis was a fifth round fucking pick and he is now the starting defensive tackle over former second round pick, Devon Godshaw. Right? And you have this team camaraderie where Robert Hunt and Raekwon Davis were quoted a couple of months ago saying that they were going to tear up the league that's the headline that I love to see coming out of the Dolphins not Richie incognito is bullying another offensive lineman right so it all begins and it ends with leadership and egos need to be checked away at the door Phil Jackson did it both with the Bulls as well as the Lakers he fell off a little bit with the Knicks right and the reason why that decline was so deep was because phil jackson wasn't directly in charge as the head coach as the head coach you need to be the example as the head coach you need to set the standard you are the standard and brian flores has done that and more prime example is when he stormed the field standing up for his players in cincinnati it's one thing to be animated on the sidelines, right? Because any fucking coach can do that. Any coach can get animated. Ask Tyron Liu about that, right? Any fucking coach can get animated. And no, Brian Flores does not have the coaching pedigree. He comes from a great coaching tree and great coaching philosophy of Bill Belichick. And he's honest to God, been one of the more successful products of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, besides Jim Schwartz. And Jim Schwartz was okay as a head coach, better as a defensive coordinator. Um, his best years are behind him, though. But when he immediately took over in the Lions, there was a little bit of vision, right? Because he established that culture. And when it comes down to it, the reason why Brian Flores is has been the most successful prodigy to come out of the Bill Belichick tree of coaching is because he does set the standard, right? And he buys into his players. Now, when it comes to Bill Belichick, right, he is the speak softly and carry a very large stick, okay? Ryan Flores does a little bit of both. Is he an offensive genius? No. Is he a defensive genius? He's defensive-minded, absolutely, right? Right? But when it comes down to it, like I said, culture and team chemistry, where you have guys that are willing to go into the trenches for one another, that it is no longer about me, but what is in the best interest for the team that Brian Flores has instilled to even the players believe in it and the the players have bought into the system. That's exactly what you want. He's the perfect player coach brian flores is the perfect player coach okay and once upon a time there was a coach who took over back in 1996 that had a lot of scrutiny from the media he signed with the cleveland browns and after one season with the cleveland browns he immediately changed teams to the northeast and that man is bill belichick And the same can be said about Don Shula. started in Baltimore, made his way down to Miami. And why was Shula so successful? You look at when it was coached by Shula, it was the most disciplined team in the National Football League in history. Penalties-wise, guess what? Brian Flores, I believe the Dolphins are only the third ranked for the least amount of penalties, right? We don't get penalties because of discipline because of doing their job. And Brian Flores is picking the guys, no, that don't have all of the glitz and all of the glamor, but the right person that can do the right job at the right time every single time. And it is that undying trust in those players and also a coherent system and adhering to that system and having players that complement that system are what separate a good team from a great team because it's a different thing to have good players on a roster that are talented. It's another thing to have good to budding superstars that have bought into a system that would literally die for each other on the field. That's what you want. That's how you get a successful team. And that is what causes a lot of people to be busts whether it's I mean Sam Darnold is the perfect you know case scenario you look at what Sam Darnold was he was so highly touted there were so many accolades that he had and there was so much hype around Sam Darnold look at what happened when he gets involved in the wrong culture or lack thereof an immediate drop-off what was the face of the franchise three years ago got traded to Carolina Okay, for basically pennies on the dime, not even a first-round pick. For somebody that you traded away to get up to that position, to grab him. It all begins and ends with culture and team chemistry. That's what it is. Okay, and the other thing that's been on my mind is why is it that people like Sam Darnold, people like Mitchell Trubisky Jameis Winston right why is it that they are the ones that get second third fourth chances right to go out and produce but meanwhile when it comes to Tua he's seen as a bust after just nine games is absolutely baffling to me that these so-called experts are happy to provide endless excuses for Sam Darnold who has played routinely terrible for the Jets literally had the worst QB rating last season but compared to Tua who has played a total of nine games in his entire career and has been way more successful than Sam Darnold has been in three years. It's time to move on or give up. It's absolute grade A bullshit. Going back to it as well, going back to the culture, you look at what's happened with Ryan Tannehill, right? Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden is now being touted as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, right? When he was in Miami... They were saying the exact same thing. He's a bust. He's terrible. He's trash. Was it Ryan Tannehill? Or was it the culture? Was it Ryan Tannehill? Or was it the front office? Because we've gone over brick by fucking brick to rebuild this team. Quite literally, we have a whole new fucking stadium. Brick by fucking brick. And all of a sudden now... Ryan Tannehill is being touted as a fantastic quarterback and a top 10 quarterback. When he was with us, he was considered bottom of the barrel. Doesn't make a whole lot of fucking sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You see Tua Bailoa on social media showing that he is working with his receivers once again to build more chemistry, to get that timing down, and also working out physically to get himself Stronger. Faster. To be able to compete at a level. This high. And this magnitude. It blows my fucking mind. That after nine games. It is time to. Quote unquote move on or give up on Tua. But four years ago. Before he had the hip injury. Whenever an analyst or a draft quote-unquote expert saw Tua Tungabailoa at the University of Alabama, their dick twitched. Make that make sense to me. Tell me where you're right and I'm wrong about that. Because it doesn't make fucking sense. Do we have the talent? Absolutely. Do we have the culture? Absolutely. Do we have the team chemistry? Absolutely. That is why Miami has made a massive leap and why we will continue to have perennial success if we continue this trend of yes, we are getting talent. We just got Will Fuller, right? We got Benedric McKinney, right? We got a lot of good guys. We got Justin Coleman. Okay. We've got a lot of fucking talent. Okay. We're also the youngest team in the NFL. There's a lot of excitement in Miami, obviously, right? We have a team that we can stand by. We have a coach that we can believe in for the first time since Don Shula. If you want to count Dave Wanstead, go ahead and count Dave Wanstead as well. Tell me where you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. Make that make sense to me because it doesn't. Okay, Miami has a vision to where, like I talked about last episode, we have managed to flip one guy into four first-round draft picks, two second rounds, and a third. And with the way that we have only dropped by three draft spots, Miami could still end up taking the guy that they originally had their eyes on at three, whether that be Jamar Chase, whether that be Jalen Waddle, whether that be Devontae Smith, whether that be Kyle Pitts, or whether that be Micah Parsons. Whoever it is that we take. Right? Whether it be Quiddy Pay, whether it be Gregory Russo, whoever. But all of these claims that Miami's gonna go for a quarterback at six are absolutely asinine. The coach believes in him, the owner believes in him. That's what you need, right? You need to keep the bullshit and the scrutiny. Outside of the locker room. And if it does happen inside of the locker room. You immediately nip that in the bud. And Flores has done that. That's all I got. Okay. Team chemistry. Team morale. And team culture. Is what makes. Good teams. Into great teams. I've missed all of you ever so dearly welcome back to the finish it podcast if this is the first time that you are listening welcome because my chris grieger is a wizard episode absolutely fucking blew up so to all of the new listeners hello to all of the returning ones hello daddy loved you welcome back if you like what you hear and you would like to hear more feel free to hit that subscribe button Feel free to give us five stars on whatever streaming platform that you are on. It is greatly appreciated and helps us get the news out. We appreciate you. As per usual, if you do feel so inclined, you by no means have to. You can hit the Patreon button listed down below. All of the proceeds go immediately to the MS Foundation. Not a single dime touches my pocket. I thank all of you for tuning on in and listening. However, whenever, and wherever you are listening to this too. I love you. I'm able to do this. I'm able to do what I love. Just bullshitting and talking. To all of you, my family members. I love all of you. And until next time, God bless and go Miami Dolphins.